All right, back to podcast. Uh, we've been at about once a week um, since the new year. We've had Bible study every Wednesday night, and uh, we'll have it this coming Wednesday as well. Uh, and then we'll, we'll tr- most likely go to an every other week format for a little bit. Um, but uh, let's go to John chapter 3. John chapter number 3, very high water mark high-water chapter in the scriptures that we're going to look at uh, tonight. This chapter uh, gives us the it's, gives us something revolutionary, really, and it, that is the new birth. For uh, centuries, centuries, uh, at this point in, in history, leading up to John chapter 3, um, there was not necessarily across the board a personal relationship with God um, as we know it today. Now, everyone, the Bible says, and I've just read that for you just a, a few chapters ago, that he lighteth every man that cometh into the world. So understanding that uh, every person, every man, woman, boy, and girl has been born with uh, light enough light to believe, and as God, as you you respond positively to that light, which you've been given, God produces and gives you more light. Uh, we do see that. We do see that reality in scriptures. Um, but one must recognize and, and admit that the relationship is far different as it's detailed in the Old Testament versus what we have now in the New Covenant. So, we come to John chapter 3, and remember, John 1, Jesus is presented as God. John 2, he presents himself as God. What what do you mean the difference? Well, John 1, John the Beloved is presenting Jesus as God. In John 2, Jesus is presenting himself as God when he uh, commits and uh, accomplishes the first miracle. Now, we come to John chapter number 3, and it's immediate. So there's not a long waiting period after he is proclaimed as God, after he announces his, his deity. Uh, we go right into this new doctrine, this new covenant, this new reality that you and I experience today. Now, let me say something. No one is born a Christian. You do not become a Christian. You do not become saved. You do not become a child of God through any other means than the new birth. You do not become a child of God through baptism. You do not become a child of God through good works. You are not born a child of God the first time. You do not become a child of God through church membership, through committee uh, holdings on church roles. You become a child of God through the new birth. I wish we could get, and and I'm not opposed to the word saved. I'm not. It's used throughout Scripture, uh, oftentimes in relation to Israel, but I'm not opposed to that word. I do use it quite often. 
but I really like the phrase new birth because new birth takes on a whole different reality and meaning than what we, a lot of people understand. You see, it's easier to say I'm saved. I know I'm saved. I hope I'm saved. I think I'm saved. But to talk about a new birth, that gives us an event. That gives us a time. That gives us a place. And just as you have a first birth, and in your first birth you had a a conception, you had a time period in which you were carried and you were born. You were born at a place. You were born to parents. You were born into this world, and you can say, "I, I remember, I know what my birthday is or what my mama's told me. Does that mean you remember the exact date? Well, I do. My my date of my new birth was July the nineteenth, nineteen ninety four. One, it was it was twenty years and one week after my first birth. As the old saying goes, I have a birth I can't remember and a birth I can't forget. So I'm I'm going to say that right now. I say it dogmatically. I say it un, unwitting, I say it um, unbendingly. If you have not had a new birth, you are not a Christian, you are not saved. It doesn't matter how often, how, how long you've been going to a church. It doesn't matter what position you hold in a church. It doesn't matter how many times you've been baptized. Ye must be born again. So I make that proclamation in the beginning. So let's examine John chapter 3. We probably will not get through all of John 3 today, and that's not really even my objective. My objective is to teach and preach and talk about the new birth. So John chapter number 3, John chapter 3 in the Scriptures There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. So immediately we should not be surprised that the gentleman that we're we're meeting in this chapter is someone that's religious. This is not blind Bartimaeus. This is not the woman at the well. This is not the man born blind. This is not some drunkard, some whoremonger, some whore. Uh, this is not the loot of society. This is this is a religious person. In fact, he holds an office in, in in the Jewish economy. He holds an office in the Jewish economy. Now, understanding that, understanding that, let's move forward. The same came to Jesus by night. Why would he do that? Because it's He's, he's a little bit embarrassed. He's a little bit nervous about this. That's Look, I, I'm not opposed to public off, altar calls. I'm not. But by no means should we lock ourselves into saying and thinking that you have to have one. Because this gentleman comes to Jesus, and we do have understanding that he gets saved, or we feel like he does later. He, he assists in in the burial of the body of Jesus. But this man 
comes to Jesus by night. Why? Because he's a religious man. He's a ruler of the Jews. He holds rank in the Jewish hierarchy and the religious system. So he really is not crazy about people seeing him come to this religious uh, guy, is what they think, this, this revolutionary, this one that people are starting to question. He's not real crazy about people seeing him come to Jesus, but something is drawing Nicodemus to Jesus. What is that? That's the spirit and the sovereignty and the providence of God. So he comes to him by night and said unto him, Rabbi, so he addresses Jesus on a religious level. So that's how people do. They, they, they come and they, they come on behalf of religion. They speak religious, uh, talk religious. So he, he immediately confers and he calls Jesus Rabbi. So let's look and continue further. Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. So he, he, that's what they want to hold him to. He's a teacher, good teacher. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. So notice that this miracle, these miracles that are starting to happen and starting to occur uh, are serving as proof that Jesus is indeed uh, sent from God, quite possibly God himself, or God in the form of human flesh, as he will proclaim to be. And Jesus answered, said unto him, here's his answer. He doesn't try to get into some long debate. He doesn't try to touch on his nerves. He doesn't try to give him a story. He simply answers him this. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus is saying this to a religious man. He is saying this to someone that holds religious office. He is saying this to someone that believes Jesus to be a great Bible teacher, a great teacher of the Word of God. Jesus says that if you've not been born again, then you cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, what is the kingdom of God? That's something else introduced here. The kingdom of God... Is, is different than the kingdom of heaven. I, I'm teaching that actually uh, right now in Bible studies. And it is a spiritual kingdom. It is a kingdom that um, is, is entered into and gives us a spiritual life and a spiritual walk with God. So he says through a new birth, you're going to have a, a enter, in, enter into the, the spiritual kingdom of God. Our new birth is spiritual. Our first one was physical. You see this? You don't folks don't have spirituality. They're not they're not children of God. Jesus answered and said unto him, or verse four, Nicodemus, this religious man, saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? So his question is a reasonable question, especially uh, being introduced to a new doctrine such as this. He says, Look, I how, how are you going to be born when you're old? Uh, he says, you can't enter in the second time into his mother's womb and be born. can't crawl back into the womb and be born again. So he's got a reasonable question. I would probably wonder the same thing. I, no problems there. So Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except the man be born of water and of 
the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Now let's 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 talk about this real quick. This verse has been used by Church of Christ and others to teach that baptism is a part of salvation. And it, it must be required in salvation. Well that we know better than that because of the thief on the cross for one. But let's answer it as Jesus gives it. The response is to a question. The question is, how can a man be born when he is old? If he's been born once, how can he? So the first question that Jesus would, would address would be the first birth. The first birth, when you were born, when everyone was born, came by water. You ever heard the phrase water break? I bet you ladies that have had children have. Bet your mom, guys, I bet your mom has, your wife has, heard of water breaking. You were born the first time physically by water. Water was the means of bringing you into this world. Okay, now a lot went on before that, and we understand that, but the birth itself is what we're talking about. Born by water. But then he goes on further. Born of water, so that would be the first birth, and of the Spirit. So the second birth is a birth of the Spirit. Just like water breaking was the initial progression for you to be born the first time, the Spirit of God moving on a person, convicting a person, and drawing a person is the means to which we are born a second time. Do you see this? So that which is, he says, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So you've had a water birth, but if you've not had a spirit birth, again, Jesus reiterates, you're not going into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, okay? Born of the flesh That's what you are. Now watch, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. So two births here, a fleshly birth and a spiritual birth. All right, let's continue on. Stay with me. This This is such a good chapter in explaining what being saved really is. Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. He says, don't don't be confused about it. Don't marvel about it. I I said you must be born again. Don't let it confuse you. And so Jesus goes and answers it again. You can't always figure it out. Now, here's what I mean. The wind bloweth where it listeth. Who can control the wind? Not me. No No man can control the wind. The wind comes from God. Weather patterns, not Mother Nature. And thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh. And whether it goeth, so everyone that is born of the Spirit. Now let's talk about wind. Wind cannot be produced by man. Wind, ladies and gentlemen, can be utilized by man. And you can always see the effects of wind. I'm, I'm looking out my front door as I'm recording this. And I see a, I see a ribbon on the porch, tied to the porch, and it's blowing in the wind. 
I can't see the wind move. I can see the ribbon blowing in the wind. I'm looking out. I see trees. I see grass. And I can't see the wind. I see the effects of the wind. That's the new birth. That's the Spirit of God. We cannot see the Spirit of God. We see the effects of the Spirit of God in our lives. We cannot see what happened to me on July the 19th, 1994. But you can see the effects of what happened to me. July the 19th, 1994. We can't see what happened to you the day or the night that you got saved. But if you got saved, we can see the effects of what happened to you when you got saved. So the wind bloweth where it listeth. Now, no man can make it blow. So that addresses these super-duper soul winners from back in the day. Again, nothing wrong with door knocking. I, I love it. I love the fact that Kevin does it. I've seen a lot of door knockers, though. A lot of door knockers push someone into salvation. I've seen a lot of preachers at altar calls push someone in salvation. When we're knocking on doors, we're witnessing to people, you're witnessing to someone on the job, you present them with the Word of God, you give them testimony, you tell them what the Bible says, and you let God do it. That's what I do when I preach. I present the Word of God, I present the Gospel, I present what it says, and I let God do His work. I can't do His work for Him. And so no man can control the wind. And we can't make someone get born again. We pray for them. We present them the gospel. We preach to them. We witness to them. We knock on the door and tell them about Jesus. We tell them about Jesus on the job. But folks, you can't force them to be saved. You can't force the wind. Watch this. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said, Art thou a master of Israel and knowest not these things? Jesus said, How are you even a master in Israel? How are you religious? How do you know uh, things about God and you don't know this? Verse number 11, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, We speak then that we do not know, or we do know, and testify that we have seen, and you receive not our witness. I have told you earthly things, and believe you believe not. How shall you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that come down, came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. So Jesus is presenting himself. Now he calls himself the Son of Man. Very important title as well. That would be a direct descendant line from David. He's speaking to, Je- to Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, do you remember that? He put him in, he put it in the ground, he lifted it up, and when he lifted it up, deliverance came. And as Moses lifted up the servant serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. That's that's the foretelling, the prophecy of the cross. And also the typology of the cross when the serpent was lifted up in the wilderness. He says, I must be lifted up. I must give you deliverance by being lifted up. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have have eternal life. So that's whosoever. That's anyone that would believe in and on the Lord Jesus Christ. 
But he doesn't just leave it with the end. Do you remember me teaching and talking about this? Watch, watch the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. To perish would be to die and to go through the second death in a lake of fire. He said, but you put your faith, your trust, your hope in Jesus in a new birth, you'll live forever. You'll never die. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He said, I didn't come to condemn, I come to save. But in order to save, I must present you with condemnation and what the result of not being saved will be, but I come to save. He that believeth on him is not condemned. Look, so you believe in, I believe in him, but I believe on him too. That's my full trust, hope that is Jesus and Jesus alone. Not my works, not Allah, not Buddha, not my church membership, not my baptism. Jesus does it. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. Because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Not one and only. Not one and only. Why? Because when we get saved, beloved, we are called the sons of God. The angels were called the sons of God. Okay? Adam was called the son of God. Children of Israel were called the sons of God. What's the difference? We're not the only begotten one. This, ladies and gentlemen, means the only begotten one. That Your new versions say the one and only son of God. He is not the one and only son of God. We become the sons of God when we get saved through a new birth. You get born again, you get born into a family. But He is the only one of that kind. That's what begotten means. The only one of this kind, Son of God. What's that? The only one that can save. I can't save you. The angels can't save you. Children of Israel can't save you. Adam sure can't save you. That's why you lost. The only one of this kind that can save you is Jesus Christ. And this is the condemnation that light has come into the world. And men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. They love darkness because they want their deeds hid in the dark. And they love that darkness more than they love light. That's what prevents people from being saved is their religion and their darkness of their hearts and darkness of their lives. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. So what is going on here, preacher? We just had the testimony of Jesus Christ. And that testimony is simply this. He is the Son of God. He is the only begotten Son of God. And no other means in this world, no other means concocted of man, no other means concocted of religion, no other means concocted of tradition, of churches, no other means can save an individual from condemnation. They are condemned 
because they believe not. They're condemned because they believe their church membership is going to save them. They're condemned because they believe their good works are going to save them. They're condemned because they believe baptism is going to save them. They are condemned because they feel like their family lineage and the fact that I was in the womb in this church, they are condemned because they feel like that's what's going to save them. None of that's going to save them. What's going to save them is believing in and on the only begotten Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. And it will happen at a new birth. It will happen at a place and a time in your life. And you might not be cognizant of the fact of writing it down of, you know, uh, July the 19th, 1994, but you will have a pretty good idea. Was it day? Was it night? Was it winter? Was it summer? Was it spring? What month? Or maybe even what day it was. Something of that magnitude, something of that weightiness. Now, you may have gotten saved as a child, but you'll remember where you were. You might not remember if it was Easter or Christmas or summer necessarily. If it was, you know, 10, maybe 10, 11 years old, but chances are you will. But you will remember where you were. You will remember what took place. You might not know everything that did take place at that time, but you'll know that you come to a place in your life where you realized you were condemned, as Jesus just said in this chapter, your deeds were evil. You were lost. You were on your way to hell because you were condemned. And the only thing that was going to save you, change you, fix this problem that you just become aware that you had through the Spirit and the Word of God is calling on the Lord Jesus Christ and Him and Him alone. And therein, as you surrender that, as you, you, you put that hope, faith, and trust in Him and Him alone, Therein becomes the new birth. There's the change. There's where the change occurs. There's where the change lies. Now, will you be perfect? Are you perfect after that? No, but there will be spiritual desires. That Bible says, As the newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. One thing, I've had, I've, I've, I've fathered three children. Every single one of them, I didn't have to teach to eat. I might have taught them to tie their shoes. I might have taught them to walk. I might have helped try to teach them to talk. I might have taught them to ride a bike or to swim or to play ball or, or to color or to paint. But I did not have to teach them to eat. I might have had to teach them what to eat, but they had a desire to eat. Now let me tell you something. That Bible says, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow by, when you get saved, you will have spiritual desires. You'll become a partaker of the divine nature, as Peter also said, and therein you will have a spiritual desire to walk with Jesus Christ, to love Jesus Christ, to know more about Jesus Christ. And if there's no spiritual desire, there's no salvation. That does not mean you're perfect. That does not mean you're sinless. That does not mean you won't drop the ball. But there will be something on the inside of you that would make drive you and make you desire the things of God. You may not always even do it. You may get out of fellowship. But you'll never get away from the desire that's implanted in you at the new birth. This has been the first part 
of John chapter number three. I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope you've learned a lot. This has been podcast. We'll continue in John chapter number three next Sunday night. And then after that, we'll ramp it up a little bit and uh, we'll do some every other Wednesdays as well. Good night. God bless. I love each of you.